If you're not a lottery winner, I actually talk about in my book that like money can buy you happiness. Like yes. that is a narrative, especially for women. We've been told like money can't buy you happiness. Like don't pursue money. It's gauche. It's evil. And I'm like, money is inherently neutral. Like it is morally neutral. And I want money to provide me options and power and all of the fun shit and yes. like ease and stability and safety. And I argue that's fucking happiness. Hi, financial feminists. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Happy to see you. I'm always trying to figure out how to start these episodes in a way that isn't just like me saying the same thing over and over again, but it might just be me saying the same thing over again, and that's okay. Welcome back to the show. Excited to see you. Uh, We have got a great one today. If you have been on TikTok or Instagram for any amount of time, you know who this is, and you might not know her name, but you definitely know her face and you know her comedy. I am so excited. Hannah Burner. I am guesting on her show today. <laughs> we did kind of this like episode swap uh, that ended up being just her interviewing me, but not that that was not my intent. And I want to be clear, like I felt kind of bad after and I apologized to her. And she's like, I just had so many questions for you. So we will definitely have her back on the show for more of a dedicated episode about her. I'm so excited for this conversation today that will be enlightening, not just about money and my perspective on it. I have a lot of soapbox moments in this episode, but also about dating and about navigating and all of that, and also about women in comedy, which I always love talking about. Hannah Burner was born in Brooklyn, New York, and played competitive tennis for the University of Wisconsin. She emerged on the comedy scene by directing, editing, and acting in videos on Instagram and writing viral tweets. She has two podcasts, Giggly Squad and Burning in Hell, with over 35 million downloads. She was a co-host on Bravo's chat room, as well as a member of Bravo's Summer House for three seasons, and has over 3.5 million followers across her social media platforms. She currently performs stand-up comedy in NYC and at clubs and theaters around the country. In 2022, she was named one of Just for Laughs' new faces of comedy in Montreal, and she was recently named one of Variety top 10 comics to watch in 2023. Hell fucking yeah, Hannah. Hannah is an advocate for mental health, animals, and napping. And we did this collaborative episode where we talked about everything again from like dating to the wage gap to investing and my secret tip for negotiating. We had a blast during this conversation. I think you're going to love it. It's very, very easy to share with your friends and talk about it. So let's go ahead and get into it. But first, a word from our sponsors. We've talked about this before, but I wear a 36G bra, (laughs) which makes finding a bra that is comfortable and that doesn't make me want to die and that is also cute almost impossible. So if you want a bra that is sexy and comfortable, Third Love is the answer. Third Love was designed to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. Third Love bras come in sizes AA through H, including exclusive half cups. This is like the only place you can get half cups. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. I have a couple third love bras and I have a couple more on the way. They're truly my favorite bra. Like, ad or not, they are my favorite bra I've ever worn. They're incredibly comfortable and supportive, but also cute. It's time to get your bra solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get $15 off your order with code PODCAST15. That's code PODCAST15 at thirdlove.com. If you're a business owner, you know that you have a million things to think about all of the time. You've got your team that's buried with a bunch of work. It's taking forever to figure out where your invoices are coming from. And getting to one source of truth about your data is like pulling teeth. So if this is you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and 1. 37,000. That's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. 
25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. And finally, number one, because your business is one of a kind. So you get a customized solution for all your key performance indicators in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margin. Everything you need to grow, all in one place. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ffpod. That's netsuite.com slash ffpod to get your own KPI checklist, netsuite.com slash ffpod. Theater in Seattle? Yeah. Oh, that's kind of that's kind of big. It's a fancy. Yeah. Well, I I did a small one like a year ago. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. That was where whose line is it anyway was. Really? Yeah. Oh my god. They get they they I love them. They give a the words. They commandeer a big crowd because Ryan Styles is from outside of Seattle. Oh. So the fact that that's big. Thank you. Who's nice anyways? Like I will say, it, this has nothing to do with you. Mm-hmm. There are th- two balconies. Second balcony is like, you're just like cramped in there. Yeah. In terms of like seating, it's yeah. like not the best experience, but that yeah. won't matter for you. Honestly, theaters are like never ideal with the seating. Like I prefer comedy no. clubs. But that's a big, that's a big deal, girl. Congratulations. Well, thank you. Okay. I know. Hi, guys. My name's Hannah Burner. Hi, I'm Tori Dunlap. And today we have a remix, beautiful <laughs> fusion episode of Burning in Hell. And Financial Feminist. Wow, that was really good. We didn't that even practice. That was so great. We did not practice. We didn't practice. No, I'm so excited to be here with you because Burning in Hell is talking to people about their like demons and stuff, stuff that keeps them up at night, but also like we laugh about it. Yeah. And I think finance is hell to a lot of people. I, I hate to pull out the stats this early, but it's the number one hell for people. Like, yeah. it's the number one hell. Wait. Is when you ask people, like, what are you most stressed about? It's not like my job or like my stupid boyfriend. It's like, it's money. I'm obsessed with that because I feel like a lot of my listeners, I've never talked about anything financially related. Mm. And oh, it's such a big dish. part of, you know, people's lives. The only thing I know about finance is that they say, like, after a certain amount of money of essentials, Money can actually make you more depressed. <laughs> like there is more money, more problems. Like lottery winners. Sure. Oh <laughs> gosh. Yeah. Because I think really with lottery winners, it's been proven it's people get a lot of money and then they have no idea what the fuck to do with it. Yeah. And so it's almost like it's just like too much. Uh-huh. And then they don't know how to manage it responsibly. So they blow it on a bunch of stupid shit. Yeah. And then they're like depressed because they don't or know they what to think because I have money now I should be happy and yeah. then when they realize that it doesn't really change who they are as people and the stuff that they need to work on internally yep. they're like what the fuck life, life isn't supposed to be like this but if you're not a lottery winner I actually talk about in my book that like money can buy you happiness like yes. that is a narrative especially for women we've been told like money can't buy you happiness like don't pursue money it's gauche it's evil and I'm like money is inherently neutral like it is morally neutral and I want money to provide me options and power and all of the fun shit and yes. like ease and stability and safety and I argue that's fucking happiness so I love that so much because I'm in a place where I'm married to an older man and, and we, I joke like I'm with a zaddy you just, didn't you just like come out and talk about it 
I it was, wasn't. I I thought it was like a secret for a really long no, time. No, literally. Well, the thing is, I had done reality TV like years ago, and afterwards, I was like, I don't need to like put my relationship in the public anymore. I really. Pre- that's what I'm doing. <laughs> I like people. If you're listening close enough, like, no, I'm dating somebody. I yeah. do not talk about it. It's I, just like, the least announced interesting it. thing about me. Thank, thank you. <laughs> or it's not like why I want people to follow me. The amount of people who also like, there's no shame to people. I know people. I love them. They make content about their relationship. Yeah. And I see it pop off, and I'm like, I know I could monetize this relationship yes. and make so much money. My husband's a comedian. I could be doing so there much stuff with but him. But the irony of that is, like, literally, I'm like, why can't me, my book becoming a New York Times bestseller, get as many likes as a boyfriend announcement? It yes. won't. It, it won't. But but I would argue it can if you're really doing what's right and the boyfriend announcement is not going to like you're going to have to keep coming up with reasons why people are interested and people want drama at the end of the day. They're <laughs> like true. and they want you to have these long fake captions about like the ups and downs and like I just I'm not like I can't do it. But what I love about your book so it's called... I oh, had a copy for you, by the way. I completely forgot it. It's no, it's totally fine. Completely forgot it. So but I will send you one. What if... I think I ordered it already. That's nice. I might have ordered That's it. That's nice. No, no. You, do you know that I'm like a longtime fan? Emily? I've been following... You came Thank up on my TikTok because TikTok Thank algorithm is right fucking dope. Yeah. And it was... You were just like, look, like money is power. But I was saying with my mans, everyone's like, oh, I want an older man. And I was like, don't be with an older man unless you... The power dynamic is not going to be too extreme. Like, if you're yeah. 24, you have no money, and you're with a man with money, like, I personally don't feel comfortable with that unless if I feel, like, super, super safe in the situation. Like, I'm in a place where I don't need him. I just right. want him. That's the thing people, I think, miss about, like, money and relationships is even though we've come so far, all the shit's happened, it's still 2023. Mm-hmm. And, like, I have friends who are like, yeah, like— we're fine, but, like, I can't afford my own apartment. Yeah. Which is not necessarily their fault. It's all of the systemic issues. Mm-hmm. But, like, they're in a relationship because they're like, I, this is convenient. This is financially convenient, yeah. emotionally convenient. Or, like, I can't break up with him because I. what would I do? I don't, I can't have my own place. All I've talked about on this season of my podcast was literally just, like, this feeling of we, we as human beings are biologically, like, we're uncomfortable with uncomfortability like we do not like being uncomfortable and when you tell someone like i'm telling you're gonna figure it out they like don't like that no they're like but i have it figured out right now but i'm like you're miserable though right right i always tell people because i'm like i'm toxic and that i'll be like leave your fucking job you have one life like i'll do that all the time to people and (laughs) and then i'm like okay maybe like just i don't want people to do things to stay in something that they don't have to when no. they can make money doing something else, but they just can't see it. Because I'm someone who didn't want to do comedy because I thought I couldn't afford that lifestyle. Mm. And then was just like, I'd rather not be alive than but not do not comedy. Do yeah. So it was kind of like, but you figure, I'm like, you've always figured it out up until this point. Right. So like, why not now? And, but as someone who now is like, has their own business and I'm hiring people and stuff. Yeah. The systemic situation and just the vibe <laughs> with women is wild because, for example, I'll ask comics to open for me on the road. Yeah. And the girlies, this is what they do. They go, I'll do it for free. No. I just want to be on the road with no. you. Stop it. I want to be stop on the road. It. Stop it. Stop it. Stop I it. won't pay for Just put me. They'll think, I ask a guy and they go, and I'll say, hey, this is what I pay. And they go, mm, I'm going to need more than that. So yeah. I was in a situation where I literally have a girl on the East Coast being like, I'll do it for free. I'll do it for free. Guy on the West Coast being like, 
I need to get paid this amount. So I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll pay him that. And then I message the girl and I'm like, you. yeah. you're getting paid this right. amount. She starts freaking out. And I, I'm going to tell her when I'm in person and just be like, by the way, you know, the dudes are doing this. Right. So you need right. to do that. And I've had the girlies need to talk. That's the thing. Is, but I'm that girly. I'm her. Right. What I've people don't realize, especially women, is, is like when you accept opportunities for free, all of the rest of us suffer too. You know, I'm a content creator, influencer. And it's like people accept brand deals for free. Yeah. I got asked to speak. I'll drop Amazon. Amazon messaged me like, hey, we would love to have you come speak. And I go, cool. What's your budget? That's the question. Yeah. That's the question. What's your budget? Yeah. And they go, oh, well, we don't have one, but we were hoping you would come speak anyway. And the powerful thing about what's your budget is one, I don't have to give a number first. No. And two, you look fucking stupid when you come back to me and you're like, exposure so is my doing budget. doing a project without a budget. Yeah. Right. And right. You're, you're Jeff Bezos. Right. And when you accept things for free, what's happening, right, is that it's not only hurting you and your finances and your career and mm -hmm. all of these things, but then brands get used to or companies or whatever get used to saying like, oh, yeah, OK, yeah, well, this then, person did then it for free. Go, yeah, I'll go to the next person if you're not going to do right. it. Right. And it is such a, a vibe because I've had multiple women tell me they're going to do stuff like for free or like, right. I don't want you to be uncomfortable, whatever. And then you start in your head being like, well, girls just do stuff because they want to be nice. Right. And next thing you know, you're generalizing all women in the work field. And next thing you know, women are getting paid. I mean, that's not the reason, but the wage. I have a lot of stand up about my jokes about wage gaps. Yes. <laughs> like, I love a wage because it's fucking true. Yep. But I'm so bad at negotiating. Like, first of all, I always speak first because I'm a chatter. Mm. So I, I will lay it all out. And then can I'm I, like, can I give you honest. a tip for that? Yeah. Drink. Have something in your hand. Literally, like, if especially if you're doing it over the phone, yeah. have something in your hand that you have to, like, or before you speak in person, literally grab your water mm -hmm. and take a drink because it forces you to slow down. And in negotiations, people aren't comfortable with silence. I'm so bad with silence. And also, I'm a very intuitive, like, sensitive person where sure. I know exactly what they want me to say. So I'll just do it. I know what they want me to do, and I'll do it, and I want right. them to feel comfortable. If they have, like, a family, I'm like, you have a family. You, I'll pay you. I'll pay you. I don't have children. You, We'll figure this out. So what happens is the way I solve this was now I just have an agent that does it for me. And I just— Which is not a bad idea. It's it, They're going to take 15% of it. But, yeah, yeah, but a lot of the— a lot of industries, you don't need an agent and right. you're the one who's doing it for yourself. Right. And or if then, you're just trying to negotiate with your boss or a potential boss. That's like, that's what I help millions of women do is like, there's this feeling of, I should just be grateful for what I have. Mm -hmm. And my not so conspiracy conspiracy theory is that is perpetuated by the patriarchy to keep you underpaid and overworked. Right. Yes. It's just like, don't talk about money. Money's taboo. Right. My or first money job can't I buy got you paid is like 38K. And I was like, I. And it was like a video. I was like, I went to college. I was 20. Like, it was crazy. Yeah. But, you know, my, the, actually, my first first job was sales. And the base was so fucking low. But then I was doing really well. Was so I was on top. Yeah. So yeah. it was kind of like, yeah, I'm, I have the lowest base out of everyone on the team. But I'm selling the most. So, like, fuck you. And I remember I didn't know I had the lowest base. And then eventually another woman mm. was like, oh, you're at 30, I'm at 60. Right. And I remember thinking, like, I was so conned. That is the power, especially with women, 
as white women talking with our women of color colleagues, like, mm-hmm. you have a responsibility to talk about money. And we before we started, like, we are more likely to talk about any other co- uncomfortable topic. We'll talk about death, sex, politics, religion, before we'll have a conversation about money. And I feel like men only talk about money. Yeah. <laughs> talk about, like, their gains and Robin Hood. And, like, yeah. and it's also socially acceptable, right? Yeah. It's socially acceptable for men to go out on the golf course and, like, talk about how their stocks are Because we're greedy. When if we, we exactly the amount of TikTok comments I get on the daily of just like you brag a lot about your accomplishments, and I'm like, you are the same person who's like j- worshiping at Elon Musk's feet. Like what? The, there's such a double the standard. Is rampant. Oh, and and men who make money are celebrated, right? And when you think about like if there's a guy again golf course Instagram photo with mm-hmm. a Rolex. Mm-hmm. The comments are like, cool, Rolex, bro, you're doing well for yourself, right? Yeah. If I show up in a designer dress or something that might seem to be expensive, the comments are not like, great, it's daddy's money or husband's money. Yeah. Or it's, why aren't you donating more? (laughs) Okay. I have so many thoughts about this. I remember a lot. Men have the thing that they're the caretakers, right? Which is so funny because who's actually taking care of the children? <laughs> it's yep. the, if you think about it, and also women are making the buying decisions. Yes, like so that's the, the fucking thing. Is the patriarchy women manage the, the majority money. of finances? Yeah, but the patriarchy, and I'm fully everyone's guilty of like internal misogyny. Oh, yeah. Because that's what we were and raised with. And hurts men as much as it hurts women. And, and Disney. Of <laughs> but like, like, I think of a man and you're like, oh, yeah, you have to pay him money. He's a man. He's sure. 35. And he's, he's providing pay him money. for his family. Or like he even does have family. But I'm like, but he's a man. I can't underpay a man. But then a woman, you're like, like, it's fucked up. And yeah. you're like, she'll she's like me like we just want every she wants to be happy she wants me to be happy we don't need like we're fine and like where did why is that okay well we weaponize women's altruism that's the interesting thing so i talk about this in my book we we have very like i'm talking in a very gender binary here but like the way we raise boys is so different than the way we raise girls like boys are given trucks, Legos, things to build, right? They're told that their, like, value to society is in their own, like, confidence, their own ingenuity, like, their own thoughts, right? What do we give girls? We give a two-year-old another kid to take care of. <laughs> How fucked is that? Like, we we tell her, yeah. here's your easy bake oven, here's your bridal veil, here's your doll, mm-hmm. here's your Barbie, mm-hmm. right? We tell her that your value in society is not your own thoughts. Yeah. It's in how much of yourself can you give to somebody else, which is beautiful in a way, right? Like, I love that about being a woman. I love that I think about other people before I think about myself. Like, Mm -hmm. I love that. But what happens then when a woman starts becoming more successful? We weaponize that altruism and we go, well, why aren't you donating more? You're so selfish. You're so greedy. You're Mm -hmm. so ungrateful. Mm -hmm. But really what's happening is it's like you are no longer controllable. Yeah. When you have money, you're no longer fucking controllable. Oh, I just got chills. So when you get to a point when you are asking for more money, when you are negotiating, when you are investing and growing your wealth and paying off debt, and you don't have to fucking answer to anybody, mm-hmm. the patriarchy is like, shit, we can't control her anymore, so we're going to tell her she's greedy. Mm-hmm. Or we're going to tell her, like, yeah, why aren't you donating more? Mm-hmm. Like, why? Are, that's such a frivolous purchase. Frivolous purchases, by the way, are only feminine. Yeah. They're only lattes and manicures. They're not NFL season tickets. They're not golf clubs. Wow. So literally, this is like the entire thesis of my work in my book. But like, that's the that's what we're up against. Also, like luxury bags ver- right. are like they're actually more affordable than like Rolexes. But something about like, you know, trading Nike shoes on their like that's but yeah, not like a thing. watches. These- oh, I am. I am about like 
I want money. I yeah. want to be rich. I am unapologetically yeah. that. I am a multimillionaire. I'll say it. I yeah. love it. But at some point, I'm like, it's just too much money. Like, it's oh, too much money. But also at some point, you're like, how many people are you hiring and paying like literal dirt? That's yeah, that's thing. my thing. Like, that's why I like Sarah Blakely. Doesn't she like yes. give people raises I, I and joke shit. that there's like three billionaires that can stay. It's Sarah Blakely, yeah. Oprah, uh-huh. and like Rihanna. And those yes. are three that can stay. Yeah. But that's the thing about capitalism. And it's something that I've like grappled with in my own work because I'm like, I don't want to win capitalism mm-hmm. because that means I've exploited somebody most likely, right? Yeah. But I can't lose capitalism because that means deep suffering for me and yes. my family and my community. And I think- It's doing as well as you can without doing it under the table and illegally (laughs) like that's the thing about like i like i'm obviously extremely liberal and socialist and progressive Mm -hmm. and i think what some of the tiktok comments i get is it's like you're you like you're in love with capitalism and i'm like no i'm in love with like stability yeah and figuring out what the cards were dealt Uh how to survive in this life and be happy getting money so that i can pay people well and give people jobs and donate to causes i believe in and yes go on fucking dope trips to europe the men stuff fascinates me because like i'm dealing with men and women that i hire and stuff and it's not like the men are smarter than the other women or have more experience than other women why like they just naturally the men will always ask for more money and to the point that i always go this guy has some balls. Right. The guy knows that I am thinking in my head, this guy has balls. Right. And the girl knows if she asked for it, I would say this girl has balls. But she doesn't want to deal with that conflict, maybe. And he's fine with it. Well, because we, again, are told, like, you should just be grateful. And often what happens, and this is where we, like, it's like lofty as it sounds, like you have to couple, like, societal change around mm-hmm. money and minimum wage increases and mm-hmm. student debt forgiveness and all of that with, like, Women ask for more money because that's the wage gap thing always is it's like the answer to that is like women are not asking as much as men are. And that stat is true. It's However, true. when women do ask, mm-hmm. they are less likely to get it. Exactly. Which tells you that it's also the system that exists, right? Mm-hmm. So we have certain expectations or mm-hmm. certain biases, right, where men can ask for more money and you're like, oh, yeah, okay, they're fucking owning their shit. Yeah. And women ask for money and it's kind of like, mm, okay. Like, yeah. It makes even women uncomfortable. It's so fucked up. Yeah. My thing is I dealt with that in like corporate America. Yeah. And like hired by other women where like they just didn't want to pay me. Men were trying to take credit for my work creatively. Right. Like I was in a really bad situation once and I basically was like, okay, I guess I need to go out on my own. So the only way I've been able to succeed is with money is by I couldn't beat the man. Well, my question for you, because <laughs> working in comedy, too, obviously. Oh, yeah. As somebody who works now in finance. It's a very male-dominated So field. male-dominated. So what was the transition for you and, like, the the feelings of, oh, shit, okay, if I'm going to go for it, mm-hmm. do, are, are you the kind of person who's like, okay, I'm going to play by the men's rules in order to navigate so this? So I have a unique situation where I was an athlete. So I grew up a tennis player, which meant mm. that, like, I was always training with guys. I've always been mm. around guys. I am I have a brother and a dad that I'm very close to. Yep. Where I do think comedy, some women are so funny, but when they start, you know, going to the clubs late at night and have to perform with all these men, they're like, you know what? This is not for me because yeah. it's not made, like, right. in a comfortable way for women. So that's why a lot of women drop out. Um, well, and the sexual harassment and all, and all that stuff. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. So I think with me, I kind of was like, 
I feel like I was put on this earth to like disrupt male dominated spaces. Mm-hmm. Like that's my little sounds, kink. Sounds about right. So like that's why <laughs> I feel connected to you. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I don't know why, but I feel like for whatever reason, I feel comfortable in this environment to, I get a kick out of it. Yeah. I love it. And yeah. I love men. I, I have this like unique way to be like, I love you guys. I, you are so I, sharing. I empower right you. I love it. But I want, yeah. But I also like, I'm here. So yeah. like make it work. And the internet has been an incredible way for women who are really funny to to be seen. A lot of yep. women have discovered me through TikTok and are now going to comedy clubs, which were never a real, like, safe space for right. women. Like, you've right. never heard the girls be like, let's go to a comedy club tonight. It's not like the, <laughs> they'd rather do brunch. They want to do something in daytime, yep. safe. Yep. Like, yep. let's do something that's safe. A comedy club, like, full of... Male comedians that are making rape jokes is not always like that's what they think stereotypically what a club could be, which it sometimes is. It sometimes has been. I, uh, I saw Louis C.K. on the street last time I was here in oh New York. God, he literally. I walked right past him and made eye contact with him, and I'm like, it felt like seeing a ghost. I was like, what the fuck are you doing out? <laughs> I could not believe it. I literally like I waited for him to pass, and then I turned around and like watched him keep walking. New York is the craziest place ever. And then I also saw James Franco on that same trip. <laughs> like it was just like the Hall of Fame. <laughs> that is so wild. It was really crazy. Anyway, I didn't mean to cut you off, no, but it was yeah. just like you were like rape jokes, and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> but it's now I'm trying to like. Now the girlies, when they all know they're all going to be there, it's like my shows have become this. Like clubs are like, we've never seen this many women in one place. That's so fucking cool. Which it's cool, but it's also kind of crazy. Like I played this theater in Las Vegas. They're like, we've never seen this many women here. And I'm Which like, you guys have been sad. playing forever. Like how is. Right. But I I think because girls can safely see my jokes and see what I'm doing online, they'll then be like, okay, I feel like this is a safe place because I think women are so fucking hilarious. And I would argue that a lot of the whole meme culture is a lot of like women and gay men behind it. Oh, so yes. Men will and see something people. funny and share and it. Yes. And yes. All, I mean, don't even get me started on black Twitter. How yeah, 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 it is. Yeah, yeah. But like people are just seeing the words. Right. So they don't know. They don't have the immediate bias of like this was written by like a yeah. black woman or this is written by, you know, an older person. Right. Instead, they just see it as funny. We all have that person in our life who's like password challenged. Maybe it's your dad. Maybe it's your grandma. Maybe it's you. It's sometimes me. I'll be honest. I, you know, the sticky note reminders and the emailing your passwords and then the reusing passwords and over and over again. And maybe even the cardinal sin, which is using the word password as their password. But data breaches affect everyone and you need one password. One password combines industry-leading security with award-winning design to bring private, secure, and user-friendly password management to everyone. Any device, anytime, one password lets you securely switch between iPhone, Android, Mac, and PC with convenient features like autofill for quick sign-ins. I know I need one password. I am a chronic reuse my passwords every single time kind of person. And I'm really excited that this can allow me to stay safe, but also not have to remember 60 different passwords and not have to log into this service that's super complicated to use. Right now, my listeners get a free two-week trial at onepassword.com slash ffpod. That's two free weeks at onepassword.com slash ffpod. No reason to not check it out. One, as in the number one, password.com slash ffpod. Financial Feminist is supported by State Farm. Insurance is a part of any solid financial plan. Making sure you have the important things in life covered is one of the best ways to give yourself a little breathing room when things go awry. 
When I started her first 100K, I knew how important it was to protect not only my business, but myself as a business owner and all current and future team members. Business insurance gave me the peace of mind I needed as we continued to grow and scale. State Farm agents know what it takes to run and protect a small business because State Farm agents are small business owners and they live and work in your community. So they're deeply attuned to what's happening with other small businesses in your market. If you have a small business and are interested in making sure you're protected, reach out to your local State Farm agent to learn more about what you need. They'll help you find the right policy at the right price for your business. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Well, I think what your content does so well, too, we were joking about, like, how many tampons in a week? Like, it's it's content that works. This is like the like me putting like my social media hat on, but it works for like both audiences where the women can send it to their partners or their male friends and be like, be like, see, see. And then men are learning something too. Well, I like men to be in on the joke with me. Yeah. Like I will go so hard at them, but they are enjoying it. I like the tension of having men and women there, but if it was an all woman crowd, like we're like, we love it. Yeah. But then people start bringing their boyfriends. So I started to be like, okay, I have to address this yep. and I have fun with that tension because let's be honest, like the men are here to stay. <laughs> right? <laughs> we need them. We love like we need them in some capacity. So it's like finding that way. And I also I love like trying to educate men. Like my favorite yep. thing is to be like, are you a feminist? And for them to say no. And then for me to be like, so you yep. don't believe that I should have the same opportunity and the, the as quality, you. Right. And they're like, well, you're not equal. I'm like, we're not asking to be equal. We're definitely different. Right. I want the same equity. opportunity. It's equity. And equity. Right. Equality and equity are two different things. Right? Yeah, I'm like, equality I'm, is I'm different 50, 50 than you. Equity. Right. Right. But and then, yeah, so I, I feel like there's a lot of misrepresentation when it comes to what a feminist is. Do you still get the like women aren't funny? So I recently did a TikTok asking men on the street, like, why do you, people say women aren't funny? Because yeah. when my videos go like viral, viral, yep. you know, it's out of your like people who normally mm-hmm. like your stuff. Lord, don't I know it. It is crazy. It immediately is just women aren't funny. Women aren't funny. Women aren't funny. Yep. And I'm, I, when I first because, saw you that. You know what? You're uncontrollable. It's all back to that. So I asked, I asked men about it and they were so funny. They were like, it's like, you're taking our jobs. Like <laughs> literally like, like men funny is like how they get girls and, and wealth and like did you personality. See, did you see the stat that it's like, what is it? When in heteronormative relationships, when a woman says like, I'm, I'm attracted to humor. It is, I'm attracted to a funny man. Yeah. When men say, I want a sense of humor in women, it yeah. is, she laughs at my jokes. Yes. Not, she's funny, she laughs at my jokes. And true intimacy is two people laughing at the same time. Oh! But, you know, you know you'll see people who are like... Embroider that on a little pillow. <laughs> Live, laugh, laugh. And am I guilty of mercy laughing at hot men? Absolutely. fucking lutely I've done it. Yeah. I'm human, okay? Yeah. But... It's funny because so I ask all these male comics. I was like, "Why do you think I get the women aren't funny stuff?" and and they were just like, "It's such a stupid trope, whatever." Right. And then men were mad in the comments, being like, <laughs> "She must have deleted all the bad stuff." No, I'm like, no, you're talking to professional male comedians who are surrounded by the funniest women in the world, right? Who like no, who deal with stupid men like you who go up to them and say, "I think I could be a comedian too," right? And it's like they still. They still feel that way, but it's like, right. tell me my joke wasn't funny. You don't have to say all women aren't funny, but it's, I'm like, are we in the 1920s? It's the Serena Williams thing too. I think they did a stat that f- it was like 40% of men think they could beat Serena <laughs> Williams. Did you, have you seen this? No, I haven't. Yeah. 
No, it's I'll like, break something. It's over like a third. I'll break something. Like an average, not even like eight, like a, a good Pregnant tennis player. and lefty, she will beat 99% of the men in America. Oh, probably 99.9. <laughs> it's, men believe you know that what? they could beat Serena Williams in a I'm, work, I'm actually working on a bit about this, about like the male confidence. Because I was thinking about how like men are pilots and women are, aren't pilots. One, oh. I don't have a driver's license because I'm from New York and I'm really bad driving. So mm. like I should never be a pilot. And maybe for some reason men are like better drivers in general. I appreciate general. that we're both gymming the camera. <laughs> I like know, I I'm, really, I do it I'm all the time. Tired. If there's a camera on, I am like. I live for the camera. I'm gymming I'm too. I'm with you and, and the people at home. I'm just so glad you did it too because I, I was literally on an interview once and I just kept jimming the camera and they called me on it. They're like, you can't do the office right now. And I was like, no, I'm connecting <laughs> with the person at home who's taking time out of their day to talk to me. I'll make some eye contact. Shit. So anyway, pilots. pilots, I was like, is part of it that like men have that like healthy delusion that they're like i That's, could fly a no, plane it's literally fucking i feel like women it's would never be that. like i could fly a plane haven't you seen the denzel washington movie where he like i think he snorts coke and then he like is drunk and then the plane has to they ha- he has to fly it upside down so there's there's have a tiktok going around. no yes there's a tiktok like, going I think it's around just called flight. people asking their boyfriends like if the plane is going down. No. Do you think you can get to the front oh, and, and save? Oh, and they'll and be like, like yes. absolutely yes. So like, there's this, it's scary. Well, isn't it a trend on TikTok? What is it? Delulu? Delulu land. Yeah. So <laughs> what is, there's a thing where men, for whatever reason, it's like 80% of life is you just trying to do something. Yes. And I think so many women do not try things because they're perf- they want to be perfect when they do it. Where men are like, I I'm perfect because I'm a man, and I'll figure it out yep. as I do it. I wish I could remember her name. She founded, I think, Girls Who Code, and she said, oh, we yeah. teach men the, the value of, like, pursuing. Yes. And we teach women to avoid failure at all costs. <gasps> like, so dangerous. That's what we teach boys, we, is we teach boys, like, fall and skin your knee, doesn't matter. You get back up and you do it again. Yeah. But we teach women, like, you be so scared. Yeah. skinning your knee because it yeah. might mean you're not perfect. Then they say like men will apply for jobs they're not yep. qualified for and I'm, women are jobs that they're way overqualified for. Yep. Sorry, I will like jizz talking about this. I love it so much. I, you're just pulling, we're both pulling stats out of nowhere. No, I I'm fucking, here for it. I fucking love it. I repeat yep. it to myself in the mirror because yep. I'm, for whatever reason, I was that person that was like, I applied for a job I had no zero I was not qualified <laughs> yeah. for but I came in with ideas I was right. like look I know I don't have five years of video editing experience but these are all the ideas I want to make for your brand and like I know that you need someone who's my age mm-hmm. who speaks yep. to millennial women and who gets it we call those bridge skills it's the things that like you already know how to do even though you don't necessarily have the resume to prove it mm-hmm. and it's like I can take this skill that I already have and apply it to this particular yes. thing. So I literally tell people when they're going in for a job interview like look at the like bullet points mm-hmm. and be like you know they're like I need a team player and it's like okay here are all of the times I was a team player yes. at this job that has nothing to do with this job but like yes. I can apply these skills cuz skills are teachable character isn't. Oh, I love that so much and I also feel like when I read this thing about experience that said, like, doctors actually with more experience are not always the better doctors. It's the oh, ones who are, like, more passionate and, mm. like, sometimes are more refreshed on stuff. So experience does not equate to, like, being better at what you do. Yeah. And and you also don't have bad habits. This is what I tell because I get a lot of, like, 20-something women who are, you know, just out of college and they're like, nobody's going to hire me. Yeah. First of all, this whole you should be grateful, especially for, like, 
new grads or people who are getting their first job and mm-hmm. they'll fucking take anything. Mm-hmm. You should negotiate. You can negotiate and you should. Mm-hmm. It's, again, like the classic male confidence versus versus women is we're told to play small because the moment, again, the moment we start playing big, I know I sound like a broken record, but like yeah. the rest of society is like, fuck, she's no longer controllable. So how can we make sure that she keeps playing small? Also, this is my thing. When, when you have like <clears throat> a boss and you're negotiating – me saying this isn't good enough for me, I want more, makes me think that he thinks I'm difficult and going to be hard to work mm-hmm. with. Yeah, that word so difficult. So immediately I'm going to be like, he wants something. I'm like, I'm so easy. I'm so mm-hmm. chill. I'm It's the same back. thing with like dating, right? Oh, it's for like, sure. And It's the cool girl. Our, oh my God. That's such a great comparison because I I was definitely guilty of like cool girl pick me vibes oh, when yeah. I was in my 20s. It would it's be like- It's gone girl shit. It's yes. Like- it would be like like so hot in the room and he and he'd be like- uh, I don't want to turn the air conditioning on. I'd be like, yeah, I'm fine. And I'm like dying right. of heat. Like, right. I'm so chill. Right. I'll watch any movie. I'll, the right. second I realized that when I was like being authentic to myself, I actually would attract the right people and be in the right situation. Yeah. It's just we have this scarcity mindset sometimes that like, I got this job offer. I think it's going to be really good. I don't want to fuck it up. Yep. Yep. I mean, that's that's everything. And so what happens is... And again, there's also bias here where when we do negotiate, there's people who don't love it. But it's like we're so scared of losing something, mm-hmm. right? Again, so scared of failing that we're not going to do it. And it's like the t- typically the worst they can say is no. I have seen the occasional like they've rescinded the job offer, but that's not a company you want to work for anyway. No. Like they, are, they have done you a favor. If they are not willing to have a conversation about compensation with you, they are not going to be willing to see your value during your entire tenure of employment. So it's like the worst they can say is like no. No. Do you I mean, have any? Like, okay. Do you have any rules about when you get offered a yes. certain deal? Yes. Like, have you? Do you ever take it for what it is? Very rarely. We almost always negotiate. This is where the like, what's your budget question? If mm-hmm. you work for yourself, if you're a freelancer, it also if you're like a nine to fiver, like the question that is still asked in job interviews all the time is like, what are your salary expectations? And you're like, I don't fucking know. Oh, I hate when they ask that. So the, the I'll answer, always be like, oh, the smallest number I could think of. Right. So the answer to like, what are your salary expectations is it's too early in the process for me to adequately price myself, but I'd love to know your budget. Love that. And nine times out of 10, they'll give it to you. Nine and times out of 10, so they'll give it to say, you. So let's say I'm, I want to do a brand deal with you. Yes. I say, oh my God, we're obsessed with you. We love you. Mm-hmm. We'd love to have you on. Can you do a post for $2,000? First of all, any number that they're giving you, they expect you to go higher. Yes. People have to know that. that this for is a dance. brand deals, it's for a dance. companies, because companies, brands, whether again, nine to five employment, entrepreneurship, influencer, like they expect you to negotiate. Mm-hmm. And when you don't, one, it looks like, oh, Maybe they're not as good as they they showed in the interview or they're showing on social media because they're not negotiating. Mm-hmm. And you're about to lose out on a bunch of money. Or you have the situation where somehow you spoke first and right. they just take it and you go, fuck. That's the thing. If, if you, this is, this is why we don't give a number first. Because if you give a number first and they're like, yeah, cool, that's too low. They, they should push back because your number's too high. Mm-hmm. So the goal with a negotiation, right, is like you and your boss or this brand are not on opposing teams. You're on the same team, mm-hmm. right? And that's one of the common things I hear is people are like, oh, I'm so scared because it's like a fight, right? It's an argument. No, it is a collaboration, not a conflict. Yes. You are problem solving, yes. right? And 
You are probably... They want you to be happy in your position. Right. And you are a great problem solver. It's what makes you good at your job, right? So when you're solving the problem and not being compensated fairly, that's all a negotiation is. Yeah. So when, you know, if you're at 2,000 and your normal rate is 10, mm-hmm. right, don't ask for 10 because they'll give you five, right? You're going to meet in the middle from like two to 10 and somewhere there, Yeah. right? If you have this rate that's 10, that's where you want to land. Yeah. You're going to ask for like 12 to 15. Yeah. Same thing with the salary, right? You have to go out and do some research. You have to figure out what you should be getting paid, right? Yeah. If I'm a social media marketer and I'm supposed to be making 60K a year and they offer me 50 and I ask for 60, I'm at 55. So, so when, ask for more than you are expecting. When, if you're, yeah, you're starting a job, when you research, how much is that market research of like average salary accurate? Great question. I talk about this in my book. A lot of people just like, research on Glassdoor and they're like, cool, I'm done. No, that's like your first place to look. Mm-hmm. To get really good information, this is where the talking to people has to come in, right? Yes. The amount of conversations I have with other content creators, I literally had a post on TikTok go viral because I was literally like, here's what I charge. Here's what I charge for an Instagram post. Here's what I charge for a TikTok. no one talks about no, it. No, because no one talks about it. Here's what exclusivity costs. Here's what you should, should be charging for. I've definitely lost deals before because at the last second they go, oh, actually someone's down to do it for free. And I remember getting— Don't fucking do that. And I remember—it was actually—okay, this is crazy. I've never talked about it. I got offered a Super Bowl commercial to be on a Super Bowl commercial. And they weren't going to pay me that much. They were—you know what This is where I'm like, I'll work for No, no. They were going to pay—they were going to pay, like— 30k or something for a Super Bowl commercial, which is like not a lot. Yeah, it sounds like a lot, but it's not a lot. But it's at all. for a Super Bowl commercial, people are getting paid millions of dollars. Oh yeah, it's not a lot. And I already like whatever. So I was like, this is the greatest thing. We're gonna have to heard. talk about this off my. And I, I, I basically was. was like, I told my team, I was like, done. Like I'm fine with 30. Like I just want to yep. be on a Super Bowl commercial. That'd be so fucking cool. And but they're I, also not just gonna use it for the Super Bowl. They're gonna use it. And what perpetuity? Basically, like, my team was like not happy with the 30 for yeah. a Super Bowl commercial and for the extent of it. Also, it was like. Yeah, there were complications, but basically I like had to like cancel something and I was just waiting and they're like, we're just negotiating, we're negotiating. And then like at the end of the weekend, next Monday, they just call me and they go, they're just getting like an actress to do it for free, actually. And I remember being like, I'll do it for free. And they're like, we will not like sacrifice you because like if we want to work with this brand in the future, you've lost all like credibility. And like, that's so fucked. It was so fucked up. And I was so upset. And then I watched the commercial and like the girl was great in it. But I remember being like, they went for like, not a name kind of thing. But sometimes what I've learned inside of a scarcity mindset, when things fall through, it means that other doors are going to open. Yeah. But like, which is hard to say to somebody who's like, I just need to fucking pay my bills. And like, I get it. Like, I get it. There's I, a balance there, too. Like, there are plenty of things that, like, I didn't get monetary compensation for. Yeah. But there were other things I got. Oh, for sure. Well, also, when I am when I was starting off, I remember just being so abused financially. Like, literally, works. But I yeah. in my head, new big picture, I was like, these are the skills I need for the next thing. But it's like, that's also privilege for me right. to be able to be like, I can right. live with my parents and, like, get this done because I live in New York City. And a lot of people don't have, like— a house in New York City yeah. that they could work from and go back and forth, even though my parents wanted to come me because I was there too long. But <laughs> <laughs> but what's also interesting to me is that once you agree to a low salary, mm-hmm. it's so much harder to get the raises because you can't then be like, okay, now I want twice as much. That's what the other thing that people don't understand is like, yes, $5,000 extra is dope right now. But you know what happens then your next salary, you're asking for more money, right? Versus if you don't ask for money, 
Then, you know, your second job, you're working the salary that you could have gotten had you negotiated, right? So I think a lot of people— million dollars women lose by not negotiating over the course of their life. A million dollars. And there's— That's not with investing either. No, no. There's this this quote, this—I think it was a psychologist. I quoted it in my book. They were like, are you willing to sacrifice a million dollars just to avoid an uncomfortable conversation? No. Are you willing to sacrifice literally a million dollars just to avoid a couple uncomfortable conversations? And when you say uncomfortable conversations, just so people know, like, I remember having a panic attack, my heart beating, sweating. You know, you're 24 and you know you have to ask this man something that's going to— That was, yeah, 23. I I had to, like, practice, like— like, I remember sending the email. I was like, it was a hor- it was horrible. I just found my notes that I made for the first time I negotiated. It literally looked like, you know, when you get like a note card for your like, it's a final, but like it's an open book final and you get one note card. That's what it looked like. It was a mess. It was but like everything I had prepared. As someone who's failed at negotiating before, like I had a marketing job that was miserable and I hated, but I was like, I was doing so much work for this company. Yeah. Like it wasn't marketing. Like I was doing customer service. It was a four person. Co- I was doing everything. And I remember finally being like, no, he sent me an email at the end of the year and was like, you're not getting a raise. And I remember that being a sign being, and I was getting paid 45 K. And I remember that being a sign being like, this is not the right place for me. And I remember yeah. I quit. And he he made some joke. He was like, you should have threatened to use your like health insurance against whatever. Like, you know, like say that you wanted me to pay your health insurance and take that. I don't know what he said. He's I, like, here are my red flags. No. On your le- way out. So up. then I here was like, go. okay, thank you. So I kind of quit because I was like, there's no future in this company. Yeah. And then ended up becoming an entrepreneur and doing my own thing, which is, I mean, a whole nother. It's difficult, obviously, but a whole nother situation. I just know that if I'm talking to like my employees, I know sh- fight for like the money but then the way you get the real raise is by going to another job job hopping is and, this and the 80s they shamed. did not they wanted corporate ladder we had a whole episode on this with uh my friend who's another finance creator she has job hopped like every year and a half two years and literally like 20 30 40 percent increases every fucking time because i can't get 80 from you and then the next year be like i want 120 you'd be like you're fucking crazy right but i can get 80 from you and then go to another company and say i get paid 100 i want 120 you have more negotiating power when you first start a job than you will ever have during your entire time there yeah because once you start isn't it just like increments of like 10k basically typically yeah well and the thing is too is it's (sighs) it's one of those things (laughs) where it's just like it's it's oh we want you we got you. And then people think, oh, loyalty pays, right? That's another thing, especially women, is it's like, I will do my job and I'll show up and I'll be a really good employee and I won't raise my hand and I won't do anything, yep. but they'll see me. They'll see me and loyalty will re- be rewarded. Mm-hmm. My best friend was at a company for eight years. Mm-hmm. I can't even tell you how much shit went down at oh, this company. Yeah. And literally was like they were asking her to come to work and she's like i can do my job remotely what are you doing yeah and they were like sorry and so basically she was forced to quit she quit in her two weeks mm-hmm. as her you know going yes. through everything they opened her job with a better title and 20k more how does that even make sense it doesn't it doesn't. I had a job that I was working like full weekends because I loved it so much. And it was mm-hmm. like I it was I started this like department basically doing video. And then they basically I was like they couldn't give me a raise. So I was like, can I have a title change? And they're like, you don't run this. And I was like, what? 
Thank you. That's a great thing, though. I talk about negotiating f- for when salary doesn't happen. Like, what are the things? Because at can't least negotiate? I can tell my next person, like, I was. This. Look at you. I was, yes. I mean, it didn't. It they basically. It didn't work. <laughs> well, then I realized that they were like, "You're not anyone's boss here. You're not this." Mm. And I was like, "Because there's sometimes the bosses are so disconnected from what's happening day to day in sure. your department and the ego of titles." And then I yeah. realized I was like, "Wait, if I'm like, I was at this company where I was." I had sales experience. So yeah. I was not only getting on the phone with brands to sell brands for them of what video I was going to make for them. Yeah. Cast the video, make the video, act in the video, edit the video. And my salary was less, was half and one of these videos was worth. And I was doing like 40 of them. And that's why I'm where I am now. Cause I go, wait, I could have done that for myself. Yep. And you fucking did. And I did. But, I, and to them, it's like, right. Okay, you don't think I'm doing this? Well, now I'm just going to put the money in my own pocket. But when you're 25 and 26, you, you're scared. I thought I was going to do that job my whole life. I'm like, this is my favorite job I ever had. Mm, yeah. And then you become disillusioned. And then you realize like, oh, I'm there. <sighs> See, but I'm like jaded where like I can never work for the man. The man is looking more and more appealing to me. I'm going to be honest with you. It's very interesting. So, you know, I won't go back, but like. Why? Entrepreneurship's fucking hard. You are, you all are vicious in the comments. People are so mean. Oh well, that's that's They're being a public so profile. Yeah, and it's also just like, well, you know I, what? I have a team. I am so. You need to be out of the comments. Oh yeah, that's easier said than done. I'm trying to be. Yeah. I also then feel bad that somebody else has to read them. It, it is one of those things though where I'm just like, it would be really really nice mm-hmm. to shut my laptop at five in theory mm-hmm. on a Friday mm-hmm. and not have to worry about work again till Monday. Oh yeah, I can't remember. I like work on weekends because I'm a stand-up. oh not just but literally like the twenty thoughts before I fall asleep at night are all mm-hmm. about the business. So some people say that a salary is more addicting than a heroin addiction. <laughs> That a, a monthly salary wow. is more addictive. For me, it's not money. We're making great money. Like, that's it's not, not the, the money. problem. It's the it's, lifestyle. It's just the the feeling all the time of just like, it's also, it's my ambition. This is a conversation that I'll have with my therapist. But like. No, this is good. It's about like, my ambition is the reason I am where I am. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I want, you know, books and a TV deal. And mm-hmm. I want to sell out stadiums on a speaking mm-hmm. tour. And mm-hmm. I want everybody to know my name. And then there's a part of me that's like, I want complete anonymity. You want to be on a farm? Literally, I want Wyoming. a cabin. I want a cabin yes. in Wyoming's great. Sure, Jackson. <laughs> like, literally, I want no one to know my name. Yeah. I want, like, adopt dogs. I, I think you get successful enough that you can do that in peace. Well, the goal <laughs> is, in the meantime, to have something in the middle. Because I know that, like, all of anonymity will not make me happy. Mm-hmm. And all of like public person will also not make me happy. Yes. So I'm trying to find the medium. But my ambition in a way is like a fucking drug. Like I do feel like sometimes I overdose. For sure. To and the I, point where I'm just working so hard and I'm like, oh, well, I need to get this thing and I need to, oh, and I'm then on you have, this platform. You're like, and I need other to parts this of your life are suffering, even though you're like, I'm making money. I'm totally. I, I'm doing all the checking all the corporate boxes or whatever I want to do. Yeah. But I would say part of once you get some success and if you're in the public eye, like part of the job is handling the hate yeah and like I was in a unique place where I have a husband who's very like good with that stuff where he basically was like you're not allowed to read the comments and I'm like Mm. it's a car crash I want to because it's a dopamine hit it's like emotional cutting they call it once you learn that (sighs) you don't have to read it is another like world that you get to because I haven't googled myself in two years and I'm not particularly like Oh, I, I Google myself every day. No, you can't. It's not even about, it's like, 
did somebody write an article about me that I need to, we need to reshare on social media? Like yeah. it's that. Yeah. But it's almost like now that you have people to do that. Yeah. You detach yourself because the second reading stuff about yourself or seeing stuff about yourself affects your creativity. Mm-hmm. They win. The second you're like, mm-hmm. I don't want to say that. I don't want to do this because then you're not being yourself and then you're shell yourself and then you hate yourself. That's and been then- me for the past couple of months. So I'm not, it's, you're right. You will see stuff accidentally. It's really helpful. But I don't mean to be a bitch, Mm. but I'm telling you. Stop. Nope. You have to. (laughs) Don't do that. Don't do that shit. Don't. No, you're not being a bitch. You are, you are giving me really good advice. Well, in what way is that bitchy? It's the one thing I wish people had told me that I didn't have to read the comments. Part of me, I I was a social media manager and also part of TikTok, right, is responding to comments, right? And so it's like part of that culture of like, I don't see the great things like people literally every five minutes being like, I paid off my student loans because of you. I like, I, you know, we miss part of that too. I just have to, I haven't found the balance of it yet. Yeah, but it's, when it first happens and you're not burned too much, you're like, this is fine. We're playing in the water. We're having fun. Right, right, right. It's almost like you have to get really burned to be like, I can't go that place. And I got really burned recently. Yeah, yeah. Conversation with I, no, time. but it's, it's literally just like, a, it's a very pattern that everyone yeah. does. Yeah. Question to you about, back to finances. Sure. If, why? Because you'll say stuff about investing. You'll uh-huh. be like, if you invest this much money, da, da. Uh-huh. why aren't people teaching us this in high school? Oh, how much time do you have? Okay. Because <laughs> I can retain information. I would like to know in high school sure. that if you take your money and put it in this, yep. it will do this. Okay. Let me talk about the pros and cons of that. So pros is there's education happening, right, in a way that I think would be really, really helpful. There are some states. I have a friend of mine who's the budgetista, and she's a fellow mm-hmm. finance expert, and she got a law passed, I believe, in all of New Jersey that requires financial education, mm-hmm. which is so fucking cool. Mm-hmm. So, yes, learning education, openness, that's great. The con, though, one, where's the funding going to come from? What curriculum's going to be taught? Dave Ramsey curriculum better not be fucking taught in schools. It's already taught. That's the default He's curriculum. He's your nemesis. Right? I hate him. Yeah, I know. <laughs> He is a evangelical, judgmental Walmart Santa. Yeah. And I do not like him. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And mm-hmm. there's many problematic things about his work. But, like, that is the default curriculum for many, many places. So it's kind of like sex ed. You're so right. It's like, It'll, I went to Catholic school. It could school. be worse. My sex ed. It make it worse. <laughs> was abstinence-only education. Yeah. Right? And I'm not sure how helpful that actually it was. potentially is hurtful. Right. So when we do think about personal finance, like, we call it the fallacy of financial literacy. Like people think like, oh, we just need to talk about money more in schools. But the other con is like, if you put a precalculus test in front of me right now, uh-huh. I couldn't do it. I have no idea. Yeah. You learn what you need to learn in high school for the test and then you dump it. You're right. You dump it. You're right. Now, there's certain classes or certain teachers, right, that are super powerful and effective mm-hmm. and that you remember. Mm-hmm. But it's really hard. I literally just spoke at a school and it, that was the most, I've spoken in front of like, Thousands of people. That was the most terrifying. It was 12, like, 17-year-olds. And that that was <laughs> so the most scary. nervous I've been in years. No, so scary. But They'll literally, I'm like, I'm like, if I gave you $100 right now, what would you do with it? And they're all like, spend it. I'm like, yeah, obviously. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously. And mm-hmm. that might be pretty accurate if you ask somebody in their 20s, too. But mm-hmm. it's like, you, you're not making a salary yet. Yeah. You don't fucking give a shit what a Roth IRA is. Yeah. Like, you don't care. Yeah. Now, I think 17-year-olds do need to understand the student loan 
process yeah. and paying for college because if we're asking 17-year-olds to sign on a dotted line, what is the John Mulaney bid? $120,000 yeah. yeah. and you have the audacity? Yeah. Like, if we're asking them to do that, they need to fully understand that decision. But it's just, it's one of those things that is floated as the answer to general systemic oppression, right? Racism, yes. ableism, sexism, yes. homophobia, you know, trillion and dollar student debt crisis. Like keeps people like down. Those are the things though, that are actually affecting people on a daily basis. Yes. Like lack of minimum wage increases, mm-hmm. housing at an all-time high, mm-hmm. lack of paid family leave, uh-huh. lack of fucking abortion access. Like uh-huh. those are the things financially that affect people. And yes, financial education, I think, is part of that equation, but it's way smaller than everybody thinks it is. I also think about just the concept of, as a New Yorker, there's the concept of the finance bro, and there's oh, just hordes of them. Chat. There's tons of them. It's like, chat. these guys Patagonia. get out of college. Yeah, like, you know, men. their dads in finance, they want to be in finance. And I know there's a lot of amazing women that are going into it too, but yeah. like, if you think about the amount of men who are finance bros and then are making, I guess, these decisions about money. Can I, can I talk about that for a second? Yeah. Okay, you don't need a finance chad to save you. You do not need a finance chat to save you. We have been fed this lie that investing is difficult. I'm like, literally, I'm like, <laughs> you have been fed a lie that the stock market is complicated. Yeah. It is not fucking complicated. Yeah. Truly, it's not. Yeah. You've been fed this one to make sure that the chads still have jobs and to inflate their own ego. Because yeah. if they're like, ah, oh, don't worry about stocks. It's like, it's it's really complicated. Don't, you like, I yeah. can I can handle it for you. Yeah. Don't give your money to a man yeah. to manage ever. Yeah. And if like... You just need somebody to sit down with you and teach you. This is why I do the work that I do is literally like I sit down with women and help them invest themselves because you can and should do it because you're paying somebody else an exorbitant amount of fees. Again, typically a guy named Steve or Chad Mm -hmm. or Josh, Mm -hmm. and they are statistically underperforming Mm -hmm. in their investments compared to you doing it yourself. Women are better investors than men. Wow. Statistically. But women don't invest at the same rates men do. Yeah. And when they think, oh, my God, it's so complicated. I need somebody else to do it. The only people to turn to, again, statistically, are the 95% of financial professionals who are men. So I'm just like, you can manage your money yourself. You don't need a finance chad to save you. You just need somebody to guide you, whether that's me or somebody else. Yeah. But, like, don't give your hard-earned money to somebody to take over your money just because you're like, I don't know what to do. It seems complicated. That yeah. is a lie you've been fed. And it goes into like, <sighs> that is amazing. Sorry, Great. I'm like off no, my soapbox. No, it's just, it, it goes, drives me. I'm like amazing. crushing no, a can. I'm like, I'm Mrs. Like, I mean, I actually was good at math and stuff. I wasn't, like, I was good at math, but I was never, I just didn't care about like, Learn, learning about it's sure. the same thing it's like why some funny women are like but I don't care to get to stand up and have to deal with all that bullshit right <laughs> well and it's the other thing is like people think oh if I'm not good with math I'm not good with money and that's a whole other thing about how we raise girls we yeah. tell them you're good with English you're good with writing you're not good at math yeah and I will also say I'm a theater major guys yeah. I studied theater in college that's amazing and I'm a finance expert yeah. like numbers are my thing really either it's not about numbers when it comes to money. It's about yeah. your life. Like, yeah. that sounds so, like, woo-woo. But, like, think about any goal you want to achieve, right? You have to picture how your life is different once you've achieved that goal. It's not about numbers in a spreadsheet. It's about, like, what does it feel like to wake up every morning and know that you don't owe anybody any money? What does it feel like to know that 65-year-old grandma you is drinking Sauv Blanc with lunch and flirting with her younger Pilates instructor named Luca because she has the money to do that. That's my real-life retirement plan. Like, 
that is the feeling I want for every fucking woman. What is the feeling of waking up in the morning and being like, I get to choose what I do today. Or if I want to leave this relationship, I can. Like, that is the feeling I want. And that's what money can buy you, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And it's not about math. It's about, like, your emotions. It's about how you feel. It's about how you view money, how you view people with money, how you view the pursuit of money. Like, that is what it's about. It's not about how good you are at Excel. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. One final question. Do I look at any of my questions for you? (laughs) I memorize some of them when I talk to you. Wait, can I ask you one more thing? Yes, talk to me. Let's say we've made some money. Yeah. What is the first thing you do with it? Great question. I have a whole chapter in my book about this. (laughs) First thing, emergency fund. Three months of living expenses in a high-yield savings account. Tattoo, H-Y-S-A on my forehead. I talk about them so much. They're everyday savings accounts, except they're going to offer you more in interest. Mm -hmm. We have the one we recommend on our website. But Mm -hmm. literally, it's just like making sure that you have money in the bank should something happen. Mm -hmm. The reason we do that first before paying off any debt is because, again, we want something in the bank. We don't want to go into debt trying to pay for an emergency. And we want the ability to say fuck off if we don't want a situation anymore. Mm -hmm. There's so much power and also like stability and knowing like my head hits the pillow. Something happens tomorrow. I'm fine, Mm -hmm. at least for a period of time. So Mm -hmm. emergency funds, number one priority. Second priority is starting to pay off credit card debt Mm -hmm. because it's really expensive. Mm -hmm. It's over 15% in interest, typically somewhere in the 20s. And again, it doesn't sound like a lot until you're in it and you're like, holy shit. I have a lot of resources around paying off debt. We have a whole chapter in paying off debt in the book too. But the biggest thing is we know from statistics that women get into debt more frequently because they do not understand how a loan works. And that's not because they're stupid, but because nobody sat down and explained it to them. So debt, very simply put, there's principal and interest. Principal is like the original amount of money you took out, right? Mm -hmm. So if you put $10,000 on a credit card, that is the principal. The interest is like the deal with Ursula, right? It's like, (laughs) what are you getting? What are you having to pay in exchange for that? And then the interest compounds. So when you don't pay off your full balance, right, of student loans or whatever, your interest typically compounds, which means that's why debt feels like you're drowning because every time you try to get ahead, right, it's like, oh, I have to keep paying interest and paying interest and paying interest. Mm -hmm. So credit cards. Then number three, so you did your emergency fund. You got your credit card debt paid off. You're going to start investing for retirement. Mm -hmm. You're going to start opening something like a Roth IRA, which is an individual retirement account, or working with your 401k if you're a corporate girly, and balancing paying off your lower interest debt. Things like your student loans, your car loan, your mortgage, things like that. And then while you're doing that, start saving for what I call like the big life stuff. So getting married, buying a house, getting a new car, starting a business, retiring early. And that's kind of the order of operations. So we start with like wow. emergency fund the and high The information you just dropped was quality I appreciate premium top notch I appreciate it so I love that. yeah it's that is the one I, I say this all the time is like personal finance is personal like everybody has a different like personal finance experience yeah. everybody's money is different everybody's goals are different however that order of operations is the order of operations for anybody listening because it like it has to be done in that order 
And there's so many people who are so kind and they're messaging me and they're like, but I have $120,000 in student loans. And I'm like, I get it feels overwhelming, but I need you to have an emergency fund first. Yeah. For many, many reasons. Like I need you to get the quicker win of like, cool, I have money in the bank should something happen. And then that like feeling of momentum will just snowball and you'll just keep going. Wow. Wow. That's fucking incredible. Hey, thanks. I love what I do. Wait, can I ask you one more question? Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) What do you think about the, like, abundance theory with money? Like, the more you spend, the more you can make. Like, the kind of woo-woo concept. Uh, I am more woo-woo than I used to be. I worked with an energy coach a couple years ago for the first time. And I was like, this is good for me. Yeah, Yeah, I was like, this is good for me because I I feel weird about it. Money where they they talk about money manifestation and and abundance theory and that kind of shit. Uh, There was a post that I saw. I will not name the publication, but I called them out so hard. Mm -hmm. They had one of these money experts who was not like myself and others and was an actual money expert, they were like, yeah, bring abundance into your life. And they literally, the advice they gave was like, carry $200 of cash with you at all times for like normal purchases. And they're like, and to attract abundance, keep $300 in a separate pocket. And I was like, okay, I will lose that immediately. <laughs> or you'll get mugged. Like you're telling women walk around. Also, with, who has cash on them? I literally never <laughs> carry cash. $500 and $300 you're never going to touch. So the privilege of that, of just you can have $300. Two, it's fucking stupid. Put that in a savings account and earn money on it or invest it or do something. Yeah. And three, you're either going to lose it, yeah, or you're going to get your purse taken. That makes no fucking sense. No, you're going to have a knife to your fucking throat. Like, that's just not so smart. There's a there's a line of crossing woo-woo too much in terms I of think the so. money And stuff. it's also, mm, this, might, this might be controversial. I think it's, I think it's, that is the kind of finance that we're okay with women talking about. Ooh, yeah. No, I see that for like, sure. We're okay with like money and man. Oh, it's just, yeah. Like abund- I do believe in abundance versus scarcity. Money, 100%. Money, masturbation, manifestation. <laughs> I want to be a millionaire. <laughs> just like jacking on the entire time. No, but like it's, it's, I think that that is what we are socially comfortable, both as women and viewing other women doing. Mm-hmm doing the like chants and the mantras and like if that works for you great but if it is not coupled with actual <laughs> yeah. saving and investing Structure. and goal setting it doesn't fucking matter and i also think people like rihanna being a billionaire we need to see that in the in the public in the media because yeah. growing up when you only see old white men having money right that does something to your brain right so it's like having more women like you being like yeah i have money and this yep. is how I got it. Yep. And let's talk about it. Again, if you take anything away from like my work, and this is why I love talking to folks like you from all walks of life, right? Like my podcast is called Financial Feminist. And the amount of times I, I've pitched people to be on the show and they're like, well, I'm not finance experts. And I'm like, no, yeah. everything is about money. Yeah. You want to talk about comedy, right? Yeah. It's about money. It's about like, how much are you making compared to everybody else? How do I make a living out of this? How do I navigate? Like, and really it's feminist. Like money is inherently feminist, right? If we look at it from that lens, Mm -hmm. you want money, like money gets you again, everything. Mm -hmm. So it's, if you are not embracing it as a tool, that's all it is. It's a tool. Mm -hmm. It's a tool for you to build the life that you want. It's not, it shouldn't be the reason you can't have things. It should be the reason you pursue it instead. And if money is controlling you rather than you controlling it, we need to flip that relationship, right? 
And we need to have so many conversations and we need to be as transparent as we can, especially if you're a member of a marginalized group because representation representation matters. But truly, it's also about like, I want to share our numbers so that you can walk in and also get paid what you're worth because I paved the way for you or I was shepherding you into that conversation. Yes. And if you're a business owner, how dare you? pay a man a certain number mm-hmm. and have a woman doing the same job and because she didn't ask for it yeah pay her i, I couldn't her. sleep at night yeah or a black person or right. a, like what right. or a disabled, person, person. disabled person right right it's right. like it's right. grinds my gears yep. so it, 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 it it's from all angles people need to fucking get it together and we also need to support policies that protect people yeah yeah because I say this in my book, 20% of the personal finance equation is your own choices. Yet mm-hmm. that's all that gets talked about, right? If you're not rich, you're not working hard enough. And it's like, no, that's not it. No. Yes. Get your budgeting together. Get your Roth IRA together. Control the things you can control. Mm-hmm. And then vote and protest and support legislation that has much more of the 80% that's going on with your money versus the 20% you can control. I have one final question. Mm-hmm. For people who are, I use in quotes, cheap frugal i'm a little yeah because i'm i'm a little cheap and frugal Uh my friend once told me she was like if you hold too tight to money it like it won't expand like you have to like be like free with it that's another woo woo thing that i was talking to my friend about but like that one i think has more do you have any advice for cheap people well there's there's a difference right there's like there's the i'm living paycheck to paycheck but you still have a netflix account yeah right there's some people who are like oh i'm living paycheck to paycheck and that's just because either they're like so good with their money that they put everything in savings mm-hmm. like there's some people who say i'm living paycheck to paycheck but it's because all the money goes in savings mm-hmm. or because they're like spending money on things that they don't like yeah and so they're like i'm living paycheck to paycheck you can fix that and then there's the people who are honest to god living paycheck to paycheck mm-hmm. where i actually don't have an answer for you that sucks mm-hmm. But that's where the systemic change has to happen. Mm-hmm. I My default is like cheap and frugal. Mm-hmm. And I actually just recorded an episode of my show about all of the times I regret that mm-hmm. because... Oh, I love that. I literally... This happened last month. I was like flying. I did an event in Chicago. I spoke at a conference. And then we had a week off. We do like quarterly weeks off at my company. And I was like, oh, I'll go to Miami. I'd never been in Miami. And I had booked this Airbnb that was clean and fine and like whatever. You could walk to the beach, but it was 20 minutes away, which fine mm-hmm. but i got there and that was not the experience i wanted this was my my week off after like and for like a maybe bunch of book promotions more a month you could have had such a better experience that yeah i could see the beach from yeah. this side but if i turn this way fucking walmart yeah. down below and i was like this was not the vibe i wanted yeah. and if yeah it wasn't like i was go- like it wasn't I've four seasons with or Airbnb. for sure but they right. can be tricky because from the photos you're like this is perfect sometimes i say truly it was not it was you know my what fault. you're paying for it was it wasn't even like the airbnb but it was bad it was like i cheaped out yeah and got there and was like, had this expectation of what my experience was going to be. Yeah. And then I was so angry at myself. I think it's prioritizing like what actually will fulfill you yes. and that you want to invest in versus you're yes. like, I don't need. And people are very different with like some people are like, I need to fly first class no, to enjoy. But like, again, I talk about shit. this too is it's like you don't have to stop spending money, but yeah. I need you to stop spending money on shit you don't care about. True. So you can spend money on the shit you do. But in terms of cheap or frugal. I would say that some of that is actually really helpful, right? It's part Mm -hmm. of why maybe you can save and you feel financially stable. But there is an element of trauma with that sometimes. Or self-hate. Right. Where it's just, we see this a lot with first gen or women of color is it's like, I don't know when my next paycheck's coming. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to save everything and I'm going to deprive myself of everything joyful. Yeah. And like, that isn't, that isn't it. Yeah. Like, 
we have to, again, find like, how do I save for future me? How do I save for my goals and also still travel and still go out to eat and still have what we want now. So I would say some frugality I think is really good, but there was this whole movement that was like, it's called the FIRE movement. And it's been commandeered now by women of people of color, which is great. But the early days of FIRE were these tech bros making $150,000, but they would be like, I don't use toilet paper. And like, that's how I save money. <laughs> oh, and I think I've heard this. Uh, <laughs> and I was just like, they're like, I bike to work. And I'm like, cool. You want me to bike at 5 p.m. where it gets dark? I love those memes too that are like, I stopped buying chai lattes and now I own, own a, a house. <laughs> right, right, right. And that's, again, we could talk about hours, but that's another yeah. narrative we're fed is, again, the frivolous spending. As yeah. It's like the lattes. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I, I live in Seattle. You live in New York. Good luck buying anything. Also, if your latte brings you joy in the morning, you drink that fucking drink latte. Drink the fucking latte. Life Get is so goddamn hard. <laughs> if that is the thing that keeps you going, great. It's also, it's $6. Yeah. If we want to do the math, 6 times 365. Yeah. That is not a down payment on a house in any major U.S. city. No. Not even fucking close. <laughs> Just buy your latte. Tori, Ugh. thank you so much for coming on Burning in Hell and thank you for having me thank on Financial Fitness. <laughs> I'm sorry that I spent the whole time asking you questions. No, it's great. I hope, we'll I hope do a my collab audience in the is future. like, okay. Yes. <laughs> I hope, I hope people are okay with just what ended up being. I I want to ask you a question. I don't want you to feel like I'm no, not fascinated I'm gonna go by on your, your life. Pod in the future. Okay, great. I will. Great. And we'll I'll 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 talk at you. Okay. Great. <laughs> I'll I love force that. you to hear my stories. But no, you're just so fascinating Thank and amazing you. to talk to. Where can people you follow too. you? Buy your book, see you. Financial Feminist is the podcast and the book. It's a New York Times bestseller. <gasps> which I love saying. I will never stop that saying is, no, it. I work so, so fucking, fucking hard. Uh, available wherever books are sold. Yeah. And then I'm at her first hundred K and all the socials. And I'll have you plug her away. First 100K. Oh yes, I'm I have a podcast called Burning Hell, Giggly Squad. It's more pop culture. Come to my stand-up shows, Hannaburn.com. And check Can't me out. Wait for you on to come TikTok. To I'm, I'm so coming excited. to Seattle. Check me out on TikTok and Instagrams at Hannah Burner. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Yay. Thank you again to Hannah for joining us and also for having me on your show. Again, we will have you back. I can't wait to ask you more questions. And she's coming on. She's going on tour. And we talked about her coming to Seattle. And I'm excited to hopefully see her if I'm in town. I want to plug Burning in Hell because this episode's also getting released over there. Please go listen to Hannah's show, Burning in Hell, and go support her work by maybe seeing her on tour, subscribing and following her and doing all of that stuff. Thank you, as always, for being here. Thank you for uh, showing up, for supporting our show, for subscribing and reviewing the episode. For August, we got a bunch of great episodes lined up. We are talking about things like sex work, sobriety, work-life balance. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a thing. We are giving you the hits. We're playing the hits through the end of the summer. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being Financial Feminist. And I hope you have a great day. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Financial Feminist, a Her First 100K podcast. Financial Feminist is hosted by me, Tori Dunlap, produced by Kristen Fields, marketing and administration by Karina Patel, Sophia Cohen, Khalil Dumas, Elizabeth McCumber, Beth Bowen, Amanda LaFew, Masha Bachmikieva, Kaylin Sprinkle, Samaya Mullakario, and Harvey Carlson. Research by Ariel Johnson, audio engineering by Austin Fields, promotional graphics by Mary Stratton, photography by Sarah Wolf, and theme music by Jonah Cohen Sound. A huge thanks to the entire Her First 100K team and community for supporting the show. 
For more information about Financial Feminist, Her First 100K, our guests, and episode show notes, visit financialfeministpodcast.com. This podcast is sponsored by Squarespace. You can use Squarespace's online store, their digital downloads, their analytics, their blogging tools to be able to serve your audience in the best way possible. Head on over to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash ffpod to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain.